Hey, what's going on, everyone? Journey Over Destination Podcast here. This is your host, David Tichinski. And uh, today we got a good one. We got an interview from uh, Jared Grabiel, who is based out of Jacksonville, Florida. He owns a meal prep company called Superfit Foods and just a really, really good dude. I had a really good time interviewing him and he gave you guys some valuable snippets. So um, without further ado, let's get it rolling. I left my nine to five to pursue the business and the lifestyle that I want. This is the journey of the pursuit to live life on my own terms. Join me as I share lessons that I learn along the way and interview some of the best minds in business. Let's go. All right. So welcome back if you're listening to the Journey Over Destination podcast, J-O-D, baby. Uh, today we have Jared Grabiel. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. Grabiel. Okay, cool. From Superfit Foods and uh, E3 Business Solutions. Yep. Is it Solutions or Consulting? Yeah, E3 Business Solutions. Okay, cool. So yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to the show, Jared. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Cool. So I guess we'll start things off for some context for the viewers or listeners, I should say. Um, can you just dive into a little bit of your background and kind of what started uh, your entrepreneurial journey and uh, just kind of like a quick summary of uh, where you are now? So uh, I'll do my best to make a quick summary. <laughs> the, you know, my entrepreneurial journey, as cliche as it might sound, started, you know, maybe from the time that I was like at, at least nine years old. So like we me and my brothers were raised by a single dad and we were pretty broke growing up so like going to school I mean very early on I recognized like we were the have-nots you know what I mean like we didn't really have much we couldn't get like the Domino's slices at lunch we got the free lunch and so um, I began to like save up my money and I would buy like a big bag of candy from this Dollar General and then go to school and sell like the lollipops for like 50 cents a, a piece and make like six bucks in a day and so that was what I did from like third grade. Okay. Um, and of course, that continued to transform. A couple years later, I was a really good skateboarder from the time that I was 11 until about 17. I skated and I got sponsored early on and I would get things like free stickers. And I would get the stickers from the skate shop that I was sponsored by, go to school, sell the stickers for like a, a dollar to three dollars a piece, depending on how big they were. And I would make like 20 bucks in a day, right? And I'm in sixth grade making 20 bucks. Um, and then that went on to, like, I, early on I started a car detailing and a motorcycle detailing business when I was a kid. And um, so I've been an entrepreneur far before that was a buzzword. Okay. Um, and uh, so it's really just been ingrained into me early on. My dad always told us if we want something, we got to go out and get it ourselves. Uh-huh. Um, just short of, like, the, the necessities, right? Like food and water and shelter. He was like, anything else is on you. Right. Um, so... Um, that's been something that I've, it's been just part of who I am since I can remember the value of, of money and, and what that could do for us. But, um, what brought me here is obviously a more specific story. So, uh, I got into the fitness industry 11 years ago. Um, I found out early on that I was passionate about fitness and I was passionate about business and I wanted to do something that involved both. And so, um, whole nother story. I spent the summer after my senior year in jail uh, two and a half year, two and a half months in jail, and so when all my friends were going off to college, I was writing them letters from a cell. Okay. And um, the reason why I went to jail 
it was because of my entrepreneurial ambitions. Um, I moved out at 16 and I started selling a lot of weed. And, um, you know, this is, this is 12, 13, 14 years ago when it wasn't nearly as socially acceptable sure. or like it's now it's taxed. It's legal in most parts of the country, but, um, back then it was a big deal. And so, um, I got in a lot of trouble. I got caught like most criminals do. And, um, then after that, uh, I ended up in jail finding a passion for fitness because I began working out right before I went to jail because I couldn't smoke weed. So it was like, what else do I do with my time? Mm-hmm. My buddy invited me to the gym. I fell in love with it day one. And, uh, and then shortly afterwards I had to do my time that, that little stint in the county jail. So, um, in there, it's really not like most people think like, it's not the prison, like from the movies where there's like bench presses outside and basketball okay. hoops, county jail, at least in Polk County is like, you're just in a, a, a dimly lit dorm 23 hours out of the day and you get one hour of like recess a day if you want and most people don't take it because it's at like five in the morning okay so there's just basically all calisthenics there's no weights people would kill each other um so you have to figure out how to be creative and we used to do pull-ups from the second floor like step on a trash can and we'd pack up our pillowcases with a bunch of shampoo bottles and do curls you know and so i would make these workouts up every day and um one day a guy was like jared you should be a personal trainer And I didn't really know what that was at the time. Granted, I'm like 18. I thought, you know, to go in business, you need to be like an accountant or um, a manager of some sort. And so I didn't realize that like there was an opportunity in fitness. So right when I got out, I just hooked up my dial-up connection and, you know, probably uh, asked Jeeves at the time, like how to become a personal trainer. And um, I just followed the steps. I got certified. I was in college at the time. So I'm just doing all these things. I'm working a um, full-time job doing telemarketing and eventually got a job in the gym. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I didn't get a training job. I got a sales job uh, selling memberships. And quickly I moved up into management. Quickly I became a GM. And so by the time I was 21, I was a GM of a, a chain of health clubs in Florida. And um, I did that for about four more years and uh, just really decided that wasn't the rat race that I wanted to be a part of, like the large corporate yeah. health club world. Right. Um, there's a place for it and there's people that are designed for that world but for me I didn't want to work in a corporate setting Um, and so I began to pursue you know a business opportunity on my own and so I actually built a business plan to open up my own gym in December of 2014 Uh, pitched an investor I got the approval for about a quarter million dollars to open up a small training facility um, like a group training facility that I wanted to franchise out and um, end of January, I quit my job. I took a leap of faith, moved back home to Lakeland, Florida, where we were going to open up the first gym. And the weekend before we were going to begin to do the construction on the facility, the investor called me and backed out. Mm -hmm. So um, at that time, I was very green and I didn't recognize that, you know, a word is not bond in the business world, you know, and a handshake agreement doesn't mean anything. So he backed out simply because he could. He wasn't really comfortable with the deal, which is fine. And um, I didn't really have any other choices. I didn't have a plan B. So I started training one-on-one at a local gym in Lakeland at a Gold's Gym. And within like a month, um, it was really ironic because I was actually making more money than I had ever made as an independent trainer. And I was really happy. Hmm. And um, I knew there was more for me. But at the time, I was really just content with how I was living my life and training people. But I met a guy at the gym who's a local supplement store owner. And he just sort of pitched me. He's like describe coffee let's talk about business and he asked me if I wanted to open the gym I told him no um, I feel like God had really 
had a different vision for me. I just didn't know what that was at the yeah. time. And he was like, well, what if, you know, what if we started a meal prep company? Um, he knew that I had an education in nutrition and I've been training and running gyms for years. And so, and he knew I was good at sales. So chances are I can make that work. And I thought it would be pretty simple, right? We, we hire a cook to make some meals and we, we sell some meals. I can do that. So the next day came up with the name within a month, we had an LLC and that was May of 2015. Okay. So that was when we started super fit foods. Nice. Um, that was four and a half years ago. Uh, about six months after we started it, I moved back to Jacksonville. We expanded into Jacksonville February of 16 um, and slowly but surely migrated the bulk of the business to North Florida. Okay. Um, and then last year we made a lot of transitions. I bought my partner out. We transitioned the office and the kitchen to North Florida. And now we're primarily ran out of North Florida and we ship nationwide. Okay. So that's the, the quickest I could probably make that awesome. story. That's a lot of stuff to unpack. Yeah. Okay, so Cliff Notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you when you were in jail, I feel like someone can react one of two ways. You can either say, you know, screw it, this is the life I'm gonna live and I'm just gonna go further down that rabbit hole, or you can go down the path that you went down where you're kinda saying, Okay, let's let's figure my life out. So what do you think it was that made you choose that that the latter? Um fear. Yeah. You know, uh, like there was a there was a compilation of things that happened during that short period of time, which two and a half months in county jail, that's probably been the longest period of my life because mm-hmm. it's like it's time just stops. Right. But two and a half months in reality is not a very long time. So just so many things happened um, mentally and spiritually during that time where I always knew, I mean, I've always been a really ambitious kid. I mean, like like I said, I was, I was flipping stickers at 12, yeah. you know, um, I've always been very driven by growth, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And so it led me down the wrong road, you know, mm-hmm. um, hanging out with the wrong people, selling the wrong things because I liked service. I like selling, I like business. Yeah. Um, so being in jail, like very quickly, I knew like, this is not the life for me. Um, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's designed to be a life for anybody, but I just think that um, inherently, some people just aren't driven um, by their ambitions enough to do the work it takes to get out of that that yeah. hole, right? Because like, I, yeah. I had dug myself a hole. Um, and so I, just the fear of like, this will be the rest of my life if I don't change it. Mm-hmm. And knowing how young I was and like how long of a life that might be, yeah. like that scared the life out of me to the point of like, deep anxiety and depression. Sure. Um, so, and I just never wanted to feel that way again. So it was almost like, what do I need to do to feel completely different than this? Because county jail, man, like I was scared straight, like not by the people. It's not like what you would probably think, like getting beat up or, you know, I don't know if this is acceptable, but like being raped or anything like that. Like those weren't my fears. County jail's not really like that. I mean, if you're, if you suck, you'll probably get beat up, but I'm a pretty personable guy. Yeah. So it wasn't that. It was just the fear of like being in and out of something like that for the rest of my life. And the people in there, I mean, you meet people that are anywhere from 18 to 70 years old in county jail and you're like, I do not want to be like these guys, like the 60 year old, the 50 year old, 
the dad that keeps coming back in here for this reason or the the successful guy that can't pay his taxes mm-hmm. and he's in here. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't want to be like any of these guys. Right. This is such a bad place. The food is bad. The beds are bad. You have no privacy. The toilets are aluminum. The mirrors are aluminum. Like right. You forget what you look like. Right. It's very different than the real world. Um, you forget what the outside world looks like because you don't really you don't have windows or anything like that. You begin to look yellow because all you have is these fluorescent lights that like change the color of your skin. Yeah. Um, you forget what it's like to sleep in darkness because they keep the lights dimmed all night. It's like it's a totally different world. Yeah. And it was like, I what do I need to do to get as far away from this as possible? And um, I also at the time when I first got in jail. I was an atheist, and I wouldn't say that I was like an intelligent one. Like I couldn't carry a, an argument or a conversation yeah. um, with a Christian or anybody from a religious background. But I had found God in jail, and it's pretty dramatic, you know. And the reason, like, my opinion on that is as cliche as finding God in jail is, wherever you find Him, yeah. like go there. You know what I mean? Um, but that changed the trajectory of my life as well because I began to live for something else. Okay. Um, instead of myself. Mm. And so jail gave me a lot of perspective. And the one, maybe my life isn't as bad as I thought. You meet some people that have been through some crap in jail. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I didn't believe in God growing up because I thought, like, my life had to be the worst. Mm. But when you're from a small city, you don't understand things as dramatic as, like, third world country um, circumstances, right? right like, right. so I was so self-absorbed. And when you begin to meet other people that have been through way worse you recognize, like, man, my life is a product of my actions, mm. um, not necessarily my circumstances. And so I began to believe that there could be a good God out there and that m- the reason why I was in jail was because of me, not because there wasn't, like, a creator that loved right. his people, right? Um, so that, it was just, like I said, a whirlwind of, like, spiritual and mental transformation to where when I got out, it was just, like, I hit the ground running yeah. um, as far away from that place as possible. Okay. So did you have maybe a couple habits that you formed or, or something that you did every day or, or very often that kind of got you down that right path? Like when I got out? No, like when that clicked in your head, when you said, I don't want this to be my life, what were kind of those first initial steps to, you know, going down the right path? Yeah, so in county jail, obviously you're limited um, to what you can really do mm-hmm. in terms of like your ambitions, you, you sort of it's a waiting game. Yeah. But while you're in there, you can at least commit to, um, like, planning. Yeah. I guess that's probably the most thing I did is I just yeah. spent a lot of time planning. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of time writing and reading and learning everything that I could because there was nothing else to do. One, um, but two, that's all I could think about. It's yeah. like when I get out. And I didn't know when I was going to get out. So, like, it after the first couple of weeks, it turned into, like, I bet I'll get out here soon to, like, I actually don't know when I'll get out. I know I won't be here forever, like, mm-hmm. literally, but it could be a year. Um, probably not longer than that, but that's still a very long time in county jail. And so, because my, my bail was, like, $17,500, and I didn't know anybody with that kind of money. Yeah. So, um, so, I really began to just, uh, you get a limited amount of books in the dorm. There's mm-hmm. dorms, like, A to Z. And so you got to create connections with other people in other dorms. <coughs> Excuse me. So you can trade books. Yeah. So if you read all the books in your dorm, you got to try to send those books out, get gotcha. some new books. I made a lot of relationships. Um, I learned how to tattoo. 
um, which is actually like a very profitable trade in a county jail. Yeah. As bad as that sounds, like they feed you about 1,200 calories a day. It's really almost inhumane. Yeah. And so, which arguably, rightfully so, right? Like we're criminals. We don't deserve to be treated that well. Mm. Um, and that's just enough to live. Like you can live off that. Right. So, but I wanted more, right? So I began to learn how to tattoo and I would tattoo people and, and I made a small income from that. And so that kind of supported like my ambitions to be a part of something and right. to, to eat more, to make a little bit more money while I was in there. Um, but for the most part, man, I wrote a lot. Like I wrote a lot about my visions and I began to read the Bible and write about that. And it was sort of abstract because I had no idea what I was reading. Yeah. There wasn't really a lot of like spiritual leadership in county jail. Um, but I read everything from magazines to books and I would just write, like write about what I was thinking, write about what I wanted to do. Nice. Um, and that's basically all there is to do. I mean, I got really good at cards. Like <laughs> I got really good, you know, I, I got really creative with calisthenic workouts. Yeah. Um, but it was just a waiting game, man. Nice. Yeah, reinforcing your goals through writing is is awesome. Um, something that I've been trying to do as well. Um, so you mentioned some people just aren't really driven and ambitious uh, enough to to go down that path. Do you think that can be learned, or is that just inherently um, you know you're born with it? No, I don't think people are predestined to failure or in ambition, right? So like everything I believe can be learned. Yeah. Now. I think that we're all created for a purpose. So although everything can be learned, I think there's specific things that God has created us for. But like ambition, that's just a character trait. That's not a skill. Right. You know what I mean? That's not like a craft of welding or writing or, you know what I mean? It's it's something that tomorrow, if you wanted to be ambitious, you can. Yeah. You don't need to go to a trade school to, to acquire that skill. Okay. Um, so ambition, though... I think lack of ambition comes from a lack of faith. And for me as a young person, my faith was simply in myself. But at least I believed in something. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I was always very ambitious because I thought that I was capable of being more, doing more, making more money. I mean, as a young person, that's really all I focused on was making money. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to live a life like we had been raised in. So I wanted more for my future and my future family and all that stuff. Um, And then I found God and my faith was in a much higher power. Right, so I still believe in myself, but that comes from something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of people that don't have ambition don't have real faith. And I don't mean to say like, if you're a Christian or a Buddhist or a Muslim, and you don't have ambition, that doesn't. I'm not saying that you don't really believe in whatever you believe. I'm just saying like you don't believe in yourself. Yeah. Um, so in order to be ambitious, you have to believe you can do these crazy things that you think about. Right. Um, and how do you believe in yourself? You just start trying. You know what I mean? Because there's not like a I woke up and I was like, I bet I can start a big meal prep company and I'm going to do it tomorrow. It was like, really, it was like, I bet I can get five people to buy some meals. Yeah. And so it was just like, I have these incremental beliefs that lead to something much greater. Like I didn't know five years ago that we'd be doing what we're doing now. I gotcha. So it's like, you just have to believe in the next thing, not the big thing necessarily. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so someone, say for example, someone's listening to this and they're like, man, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm not ambitious at all. I'm super lazy. I sit on the couch all day. I don't know what to do, how to like get my life straight. What, what do I do, Jared? What do I do? What, what are my first three things I'm going to do tomorrow? Well, again, I mean, if you've ever listened to any motivational speaker, this is going to probably 
sound like a broken record, but you've got to force yourself into discomfort. Mm -hmm. So for me, comfort wasn't necessarily a luxury. So I was forced to change, yeah. whether it was the jail circumstances of being like, if, if I want to live in anything better than this, I've got to change what I'm doing. Um, but some people are still living on their parents' couch. No offense. You're not probably on the couch. <laughs> but like, like some people at 27 are thinking, ah, I'm going to take that leap of faith one day to start a business. But they're way too comfortable with their fallback plan, mm -hmm. knowing that if I fail, my parents will bring accept me or I've got this trust fund. Again, it's not a, like a hit on anybody that's wealthy or anything like that. But some people are way too comfortable. Yeah. And when you're comfortable, that's a disadvantage because you're not willing to take the leap of faith that it takes to like, get from A to Z. There's going to be a lot of crap in between. Mm. And most people know that. And so it's like, I'll just stay at A until somebody offers me Z. Sure. And that'll never happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, realistically, most times it's not. And so in order to be ambitious, you have to start paying your own rent, right? So like knowing that you've got to be the one to support yourself, then you're going to start making some money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So let's say hypothetically, you started a business living at home. And this is just an example. I don't mean to beat this idea up. <laughs> if it's not profitable, you're kind of like, well, that's okay because I don't have rent. I don't have a big expense. Like I'm, I'm going to be fine if this company doesn't make it. Yeah. But if you move out on your own, got your own bills to pay, your own car payment, your own insurance, your own cell phone, your own rent, that business has to make money yeah. because you're going to be homeless. Yeah. And so those are the circumstances of my lifestyle. It was like I moved out at 16. It was like if this thing doesn't work, I will be on the streets yeah. or I'll be on a friend's couch for a limited period of time, but that's not really where I want to be. Yeah. And so it was always just that the thought of failure or the thought of not trying was more uncomfortable than the act of actually doing it. Yeah. So in order to acquire the the character trait of being ambitious, you've got to push yourself into a level of discomfort where you have to begin to succeed. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to suck more. Right. You know what I mean? So that's just a practical example. One of the, you know, let's say you're living on your own, but you've got like a nine to five corporate job. And that's a great thing for most people, but some people hate it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but you're like, well, I get paid good here, pays my bills. Yeah. I get to enjoy my weekends, but I hate it here. It's a bribe. So you've got to say, well, maybe 60 grand isn't what you need. What's the lowest you can take in a year? And if 28 grand is the lowest thing, then start your business. Instead of going to make 28 grand the first year, like stop living for money yeah. and start living for your purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because as an entrepreneur, like I'm just saying if that's what people want to do is entrepreneurship right, right, or right. business or, or even leaving that corporate job for another job that you just know you'll love in the long term yeah. and you take a pay cut, you have to be ambitious to do that. Mm -hmm. And once you get there, you got to be scrappy in order to succeed. Right. So it's like, we, we really um, silence our ambitions with comfort. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think? Do you think that failure is necessary to uh, grow and succeed? I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I don't know that it's necessary. Okay. Um, as a part of my journey, it's been necessary. Okay. If you watch or if you read about most successful business leaders, entrepreneurs you're gonna see that they've failed a handful of times too. So I don't know that the data would necessarily suggest like, you know, measurably that it's it's an absolute, Yeah. but I think we could probably say it's inevitable. Yeah. If you try enough, you're gonna fail. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Uh, yes and no. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is, uh, so someone someone made this point to me a couple years ago. They were kind of like, oh, man, they, so all these professional athletes are, are telling kids to chase their dreams, and they're they're part of the very, very small percentage that actually got there. So, and there's a ton of people that have put in a you know, shit ton of work and haven't got there. Um, so, but I think that's not to say you shouldn't chase your dreams or anything like that. Um, but I think in business, it's so much more limitless because in something like athletics, there's, there, it's really finite. There's only so many teams or coaches or whatever, mm -hmm. but in business, it's like if someone tells you, no, you can just go to the next guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to ask that question. Yeah. Um, so you had you said you had a meeting at nine fifty, okay, cool. So we got to wrap up, unfortunately. All right, really quick though, before we head out, um, do you have any kind of daily habits that have been, you know, helped you grow, helped you grow as a person and in business? Um, yeah, any daily habits? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, and you know, we could have a whole another conversation about habits on their own. Yeah. Habits are really what makes up everything that we do. It's like the the atoms that make up the human body is the habits that make up successful people, right? Like, yeah. so habits on the micro level are what leads to success, not inspiration, motivation, not profitability or affirmation, it's habits. Mm -hmm. Because my days emotionally are dramatically different. Like some days I'm like, man, that was the best day of my life. And some day I'm like, I wanna quit everything that I do. Yeah. But it's my habits that keep me going. So I have a ton of habits. I'm probably one of the most habitual people that you'll ever meet. And so um, I have a list of 15 things I try to do every day. A successful day is 11 of those things. And those don't include my to-do list or my calendar. Wow, okay. Right? And so the first one is just waking up on time. Yeah. I'm not going to go over everything, but I'll go over a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, the second thing is I read my Bible. Like I'm a Christian, and one thing I've recognized is that I'll never be perfect. But one thing that I can control is my understanding of God's word. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I seek to acquire some level of consistency with my relationship with him. Right. Um, so every morning, that's what I do. Um, I schedule everything. That's a big habit. If I say I'm going to do something, it goes in my calendar instead of just, I'll get around to that. Right, right, right. Um, I schedule alone time. I schedule my gym time. So I schedule what's important to me. Mm -hmm. So how I manage my time is a is a very consistent habit of mine that I've acquired over time, really just really from house arrest. But that's a that's a whole another story in itself. Okay. Um, I always make a habit of taking care of my body. Yeah. Um, our health is the most important thing in the world, like friendships, family, loved ones, uh, your relationship with your creator. All that stuff is absolutely important. But if you don't take care of yourself. Um, it's a means to an end, Yeah. right? So my health is a big habit of mine. I make sure to eat mostly healthy. I make sure to sleep seven plus hours a night. Yeah. So very basic principles, but that applied over time can increase, like give you dramatic return yeah, yeah. on your life and on your success. Um, so uh, there's a ton of other habits that I have, but those are some basic ones okay. um, that I like to do. I read every day, nice. um, at least like 10 minutes, right? Okay. Um, I write every day at least like 10 minutes. And these are just small incremental changes that make up yeah. a, a dramatic difference over time. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. I started noticing that like a lot of entrepreneurs were like really in shape 
And I think I realized that there's so many parallels from fitness and entrepreneurship that it just naturally, yeah. you know, people that are really driven are just kind of naturally healthy because, you know, um, like I, it's, it clicked in my head the other day for some reason. It was like, well, to stay in shape, it's a simple formula. It's difficult to do, but it's a simple formula. You just eat healthy and work out. And in business, it's kind of the same thing. You find a layout that works for your goals and you, you know, you eat healthy, which is your habits or your diet yeah. or whatever you're feeding your brain, like reading or whatever. And then you just follow the blueprint. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. We got to wrap up. But thank you so much for, for hopping. Hold on a second. Don't leave. Don't leave. Um, okay, so as I was packing up my stuff, Jared and I continued to talk. And he made this super cool uh, point that I wanted to share with you guys because we weren't rolling at the time. Um, so I kind of started to talk about this towards the end of the episode, but, um, I was just kind of like, Hey Jared, I've been kind of struggling with this idea and I want to get your two cents on it. So a while ago I saw this clip of, uh, Bo Burnham, who's like this comedian YouTube guy and he was on a talk show and he was like, you know, you shouldn't really take advice from celebrities and artists and uh, athletes who have made it to the top of the game because um, it would be it would be like he he said it would be like someone who won the lottery telling you that hey listen like the lottery works put in your life savings drop everything and invest in lottery tickets it works (laughs) you know what I mean because these athletes and these uh, celebrities and stuff are at the top of the game and they're part of the very, very small percentage of people where the hard work actually did get them to that level. Um, And there's a ton of people that have put in the work and just haven't reached that height, whether it be um, their circumstances, their environment, maybe they just didn't have uh, enough natural raw talent, Um, whatever the case is, doesn't matter. And so I was like, I mean, I've been I've been battling with these two different forces on one hand. Of course, you want to pursue your dreams. You have this passion. You have this uh, vision of what you want to accomplish. Of course, you want to pursue that. But on the other hand, you have all these people that, you know, have put in the hours, have put in the effort and it didn't work out for them for whatever reason. So where do you draw that line? Where do you say, okay, I've uh, invested a lot of time, effort, and money into this, and I think it's time to pivot or make a new move or something's got to give versus, no, just stay persistent, stay patient, keep working, keep working. And so um, Jared made this really cool point. He was like, well, the odds of you becoming the next Michael Jordan in whatever industry is very slim, like less than 0.1%, you know what I mean, to be the greatest of all time the goat, if you will, Um, for you to become that person in any industry is very, very slim. But your pursuit of that goal is going to create other opportunities as a byproduct. So, for example, he gave the example of like there's so many basketball players that have tried to become the next Michael Jordan and it just didn't work out, but they were able to make a solid living and Maybe after their career was over, they were able to be like a NBA commentator or something like that, or they were able to, you know, um, work for a company that does basketball analytics or whatever, be a sports agent, whatever. 
So the pursuit got you those opportunities as a byproduct. You didn't accomplish the goal, but you got all these cool opportunities after the fact uh, or, or during the pursuit, you know what I mean? And so I think this is a perfect point for this podcast because it's a huge reason why I named this podcast Journey Over Destination, and that's because you shouldn't really focus uh, or on, on the goal so much as the journey. You shouldn't really fixate on the outcome. You should just be worried about, am I getting better each day? Am I improving? Are my habits getting better? What am I doing better today that I didn't do yesterday? And I thought that was just such a such a great point. Like you don't have to fixate on the outcome. If you don't, if you never get to the outcome, of course, it's not a good feeling. You shouldn't be happy that you didn't get to the outcome, but you should just be striving to get better each day and striving to, you know, for your journey to be the thing that um, you want to improve and, and keep working on. Um, okay, so I'm kind of rambling on here, so I'm going to end it. Thank you guys for sticking with me and I'll see you on the next one.